Welcome back to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer uh, speaking, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Sarah Daniels, the CEO and co-founder of Blue Canoe, an English language learning company focused on teaching spoken English uh, to professionals and others who want to speak professionally. Uh, as it says on their website, uh, it's good business spoken clearly. Sarah, uh, thank you very much for joining and welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. It's very, very nice to be here. So uh, for our hardcore listeners, uh, which there, there, are, there are many out there, uh, they may have been following uh, Trending in Education for uh, our three full years of existence. And uh, one of our very early shows was on English language learning. And uh, we were all uh, drawn to uh, the idea of Blue Canoe, the name of Blue Canoe, and uh, what, what y'all are trying to accomplish. Uh, I'd love to hear in your words, uh, you know, what is Blue Canoe and what problems are you trying to solve? Great. So Blue Canoe is an AI app and its goal is to provide a way for non-native English speakers to improve their clarity and their confidence in speaking English. Mm -hmm. And we do this in a very, very specific way that's based on neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure you've noticed and all of your listeners have noticed that in general, if somebody is learning a new language and particularly if they're learning it after the age of five, it is much easier to become proficient in learning the vocabulary and the grammar and the reading and speaking is just so hard. Mm -hmm. And in fact, even when we try very, very hard to speak a foreign language, whether a second language or a third language, um, oftentimes the sounds and the rhythms of our first language, our native language, color the way that we're speaking that new language, no matter how hard we try. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is that those sounds and rhythms are unconsciously buried in our brain. And in fact, it's a very specific part of our brain, um, Broca's area. We can talk more about that. But the, the traditional ways of learning don't recognize that fact. Mm -hmm. And so they're not overcoming that barrier. And so uh, in general, people's confidence and ability to speak clearly and really express themselves and get their job done mm -hmm. uh, is very much diminished. And yep. Blue Canoe changes that. We have an amazing neuroscience methodology called the color vowel system, mm -hmm. which was co-created by a woman named Karen Taylor, who I'm now proud to say is running our education team. Excellent. And over the last 20 years, she developed this system that actually works. Blue right. Canoe took that system out of the classroom, added technology and made it into an app. That's fantastic. Yeah. And we'll want to get into uh, to all of that because I think all of that, you know, you had us at neuroscience. Uh, so <laughs> so we, we love to talk about the brain and how we learn and how all these things are related. Uh, the other thing that you were mentioning that I think is also interesting uh, when you think about the, the problems that, uh, that, that Blue Canoe is trying to address is how uh, personal uh, how one speaks is and how how much it's tied to um, your your sort of the way you envision yourself, the way others see you, the way others may evaluate you. Um, we talk a lot about social and emotional uh, learning and uh, sort of the whole whole student uh, methodologies. Um, 
being able to speak uh, clearly and confidently is very fundamental to uh, being human uh, in many contexts. And uh, I'd love to hear your perspective on that because like, it does seem like um, giving uh, learners the right tools to be able to uh, develop that confidence and facility with, with spoken English can really transform uh, the opportunities that, uh, that, that they can then engage with and, and also maybe begin to change how they, how they feel about themselves uh, just in general. So, I, so I'd love to hear more uh, a bit about that before we get into the, 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 the neuroscience of things. Those are very, very interesting and, and important topics. Um, so first, let's say that it is clear around the world that English has been chosen as the general language of business. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably, if we were all being rational, it probably wouldn't be. It's not the easiest language. But I'm, it's still, just, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm, still, I'm still pulling for Esperanto, but I think the <laughs> ship may have sailed, yeah. I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. Um, but uh, so all around the world, really, people are having to, to learn English. It's the language of opportunity. And if you are a multinational company and you're working, let's say even if you're working in Japan these days and you know, you, you're working with customers and with clients and with partners all over the world, all over the world, they're not going to be speaking Japanese. They're going to be mm-hmm. speaking English. Mm-hmm. So even within your company, you're moving towards speaking English. And so, you know, you need to be able to, to express yourself and your ideas and be persuasive of all of the wonderful ideas you have with your colleagues mm-hmm. in this new language. Um, and that's hard. And um, we, in the, and they're also, so that's, that's point one. Point two, uh, there is a long history in human development of conquerors trying to make everybody use their language, yeah. right? And that there's a burden of power there mm-hmm. that is, is not a comfortable burden, right? And they're also within societies. I mean, all you have to do is think about my fair lady in England to right. think that even within the same language, different accents have this notion of better or powerful v- mm-hmm. versus not. Mm-hmm. And those are not very nice notions either. Mm-hmm. And so, but yet you have to be able to communicate with each other. Right. The philosophy that we embrace wholeheartedly is that um, somebody's accent, their way of speaking is part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. Yep. Um, and the only thing we're doing is trying to open the door so that people understand what are the elements of when I speak that I need to do so that I am well understood so that there is a bridge so that I can be who I want to be and express who I want to to be. Mm -hmm. And we work very, very carefully with people on how to do that, how to add these, these ability to be well understood. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will never hear us talking about getting rid of your accent. No, it is about being understood Mm -hmm. and even just approaching it from that language uh, really helps uh, people to feel more comfortable that this is about them expressing themselves. Yeah. Um, so that, that's important. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it's, it's interesting too, uh, particularly if you're not 
uh, fluent in multiple languages, uh, you know, you can take your ability to speak a language as uh, just a given. And uh, if you don't really have to wrestle with the challenge of as an adult acquiring another language, uh, or if you're doing so, it's sort of a hobby or to make your travel <laughs> more pleasant. It's different than if it really is so, uh, so intricately tied to uh, your sort of career growth and, uh, and other, other opportunities. Uh, I think that's important um, perspective, uh, perhaps for folks who are less close to uh, English language learning as, a, as sort of a, a field. So, um, so yeah, so, so that stuff's pretty, uh, so that's good context setting. And, uh, and I am a fan of, of accents. Uh, and uh, my, my wife, uh, my wife also has a wonderful accent. So, uh, and, and she, she listens to this podcast. So I'm not even uh, speaking out of turn there, I hope. But um, the, uh, the related thing, though, is like, why is English, you know, English probably shouldn't be the, uh, the universal language if you think about how hard it is to speak. Uh, as well, right? So can you, can you give us a little bit of, uh, uh, you were talking me through the complexities of English with a level of depth that I hadn't really uh, gone into uh, before. So I'd, I'd love you to share some of that uh, with our listeners. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so English is a particularly difficult language when you look at the languages around the world to speak. And, and all right, I'm not going to say it is the most difficult. That doesn't right. really matter. But it is on the difficult end of the spectrum. Yeah, I, hear, I, hear, I hear Basque and, uh, and uh, Celtic are harder. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's actually true. They're also not really in the running for international <laughs> language. So, yeah. No. But let, let's start with one of the reasons why English is hard. And it is because um, in English, the way a word is spelled is not a good indication of how you need to pronounce it, right? And that divergence of the, you know, the written English and the spoken English, you know, happened many centuries ago, and it is a much greater divergence than in many other languages. Like take Spanish, right? If you learn the sounds of Spanish, they're very consistent, so if you know those sounds and you see a new word, you can very easily guess how to say it. Mm -hmm. And that is not true in English. When we try to introduce phonics and we pretend that phonics really describes English, except for all of those exceptions, we are so fooling ourselves. Yeah. So I mean, think about, I'll give just some examples. The word um, L-O-W and H-O-W. Mm -hmm. In most languages around the world, those two words would sound very similar. Right. But in English, of course, they don't. One is right. low and right. the other one isn't ho, it's how, right. 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 right? And there's no reason why anybody would expect those two words to sound different, mm -hmm. right? But they do. Right. And so that makes it tricky. Sure. A second aspect that makes it tricky is that English is what's called a stress-based language. Tell me about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to get that in there. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Um, and we imbue meaning with adding emphasis to certain syllables in a word. Mm -hmm. And with that emphasis, we actually stretch out the time that we spend on that syllable and correspondingly smush the time that we spend on the other syllables. And yeah. that's within a word. Mm -hmm. And then we carry that over to sentences and, and ideas and we give certain words more prominence in our sentences than other words, and that changes the meaning. 
Yeah. And these ideas to a native English speaker, which we don't even really, it's not even conscious that we're doing that. We're just doing it. Yep. Um, it is a very weird thing for most other languages, which are syllable timed languages. Right. And getting somebody to be aware of that and to start to do it is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'll give an example. Let's even just, let's imagine that there's somebody who is um, somewhere else and they are studying for their PhD and, they, and now they actually, they have a PhD in, in molecular physics, something like amazing, right? And they've done all of this in English. Right. And so they could read all of this English but they're not necessarily speaking it. And now all of a sudden they're, they need to explain their ideas. They're on stage, they're defending their thesis, they're having a conversation. And think about this word molecule. So yeah. the word molecule has the emphasis on that first syllable, molecule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden we, for no reason whatsoever, we change the stress when we say molecular chemistry. That's it's true. not molecule chemistry, it's molecular chemistry. That's true. Like, how would a how would a non-native English speaker know that there's right. no way of knowing it right. and yet their meaning will be lost and everybody will be left trying to figure out what they said and right. not listening to the rest of their sentence if they don't move that stress mm. so the stress-based nature of our of our system is really complicated mm -hmm. and it is unlike any other language around the world so yeah. that's really confusing mm -hmm. and then so that's two reasons and then the third reason is that uh, this brain thing and mm -hmm. that we cannot hear the new sounds. And because English has so many sounds, the fact that we can't hear them makes life pretty complicated. And mm -hmm. um, I can go into that more if you want me to. Yeah, I'd love to, because this uh, we were talking about that. I, I try not to, uh, prior to having uh, a son, uh, I was the representative of a, of a non-parent uh, in terms of our diverse uh, perspectives on the show. But now that I feel like I, you know, I have a 10-month-old at home, everything is about being a parent. So apologies to listeners out there <laughs> who, who feel like I beat that drum too much. But like that was part of what was really fascinating to me was the way um, you were describing uh, the criticality of, these, say, the first four or five years of life to uh, being able to even hear and process and understand the different types of sounds that are in uh, a particular language. So, so I'd love to hear you uh, expand on that. Great. All right. So we all know that when we're a child, our brains are, are super active and are growing and the synapses are just going like crazy. Um, one of the very specialized parts of our brain is um, an area in the left hemisphere that's actually called Broca's area. Mm -hmm. And it lets more or less say that that's the place where we, uh, we process language sounds and rhythms. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if I'm a baby, um, I'm paying attention to all the important caregivers around me. Right. I mean, and maybe that's a survival thing. Sure. And my brain is paying attention to these, uh, these sounds and rhythms. So if I'm hearing English, I hear English sounds and I hear English rhythms of this special rhythm we have with stress and prominence. Mm -hmm. If I'm exposed to Chinese as a caregiver, you know, or one of my parents, I'm memorizing all of those amazing sounds and tones. Great. Same thing for any language. But as I get a little bit older, the brain is a very efficient organism 
And if a, a pathway is not being used, it gets pruned. Right. And so let's say, you know, your baby's not exposed to Chinese. So right. it's going to lose the innate ability to pay attention to tone, mm. right? Because in English, tone's not as, as important. Right. Um, similarly, like if you were growing up uh, in Spain or in anywhere in Latin America and you were just hearing Spanish, Spanish is a syllable time language, so you wouldn't be paying attention to stress. Mm. And so you lose those pathways. Right. Okay? And the same thing with different sounds of the language. So in English, our vowels carry most of the meaning of a word. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so vowels are super important. In English, we have 14 different vowel sounds right. that are essential. Yeah. Only five vowels, but 14 vowel sounds. Yeah. Um, in Spanish, for example, there are only five vowel sounds. Mm. So somebody growing up only hearing Spanish would end up imagine their brain has five pathways. I'm holding up my hand. You can't sure. see it, but, yeah. but it has five pathways. And now that brain broke his area is listening as an adult or as a young adult to English. And we are speaking with 14 vowels. So right. those 14 vowels hit those five vowel pathways and they have to go on one of those pathways. Yep. So on average, three of our English vowels merge and are on one pathway. And then mm. that person can't really hear the difference. Right. So traditionally, like uh, the difference between a pen and a pin, the mm. S sound that we make and the I sound uh, get confused and they can't really differentiate them. Mm -hmm. Or a classic one that some of our listeners might know um, in, uh, in Japanese, the, um, the R and the L sounds get confused, right? Mm -hmm. Because in that language, there isn't a difference, but in English there is. Yep. And so uh, if the brain cannot let us hear these sounds because it's of the way it's processing them, you end up with that classic uh, conflict in a English or in a language class where the teacher is saying something lovely mm -hmm. and the student is trying to repeat, you know, and then yeah. the teacher says, no, that's not right. Listen better. And the, the teacher says it again and the student tries and each time they're hearing it not correctly because their brain is reinterpreting it. And mm -hmm. that's a wall that cannot be bridged with right. just using listening alone. Mm -hmm. And we've learned that in order to overcome that, we have to use other parts of the brain because yeah. that Broca's area is just pretty stubborn. Right. Right. And that brings in the, the sort of broader uh, connectivity to other like processing centers of the brain uh, so that, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the picture superiority effect and the dual coding principle, which are pretty central to learning science. Uh, you know, picture superiority effect says that if you pair uh, a, a visual image with text or audio, uh, it, it significantly improves uh, memory uh, retention, assuming Absolutely. That, that it's reinforcing the idea. And uh, that's an example of the dual coding principle, which is, you know, when, when information and inputs are processed through more than one perceptual mode uh, at the same time, or even over time, uh, it consolidates and deepens the memory so that uh, this is why I always uh, I haven't quite put together my my business plan for my olfactory uh, learning <laughs> product, but uh, but yeah, I would uh, 
I'd love to hear you talk a little more about that. So like we've gotten, uh, we've gotten as far as Broca's area, but that's not really uh, sufficient, particularly for adult learners, because in many ways it's a more robust and fluid space when you're, you're very young. And then as you get older, um, you know, your brain has developed in different ways so that uh, a lot of what Blue Canoe is doing, to my, to my understanding, is focusing on how should we teach spoken language to adult learners? And that's different than the way you would teach it to some, you know, a child who's sort of growing up with native uh, speakers around them. So, so yeah, actually, let me uh, modify that a little bit. Um, the color vowel system, which is, again, Karen Taylor's amazing system that intentionally builds up all of these activities and this understanding built on a multi, multimodal brain learning. Yep. Um, it actually is great for all ages. Oh. Um, and in fact, uh, there are elementary schools that use it mm. to supplement phonics because yes. it is a much more logical system. Um, as we get older, it is more and more necessary Got to it. do this, uh, mm. but it is still helpful, I think, at any level. And particularly if you have any learning differences like dyslexia, mm -hmm. adding this multi-brain modal system is, is really, really helpful yeah, that's, um, that's early a, on. Thank you for that too, because that's, that's important too, because I know there's a lot within uh, language learning uh, obviously, you know, some folks are so heavily into phonics, they recommend you get hooked on them. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but beyond that, like, you know, that's one method of language learning for, uh, for children in particular. But, uh, but I have seen some folks uh, in the field talk about how we're, we're perhaps oversubscribed there. So I think that's, a, that's an important qualification that the methodology that Blue Canoe uses works wonderfully for that same population it's just when you reach a certain age it's it becomes more the the, the best path as opposed to right. an alternative path got it or a supplementary path got it that yeah, makes sense when 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 you're young because you still need it, the you still need the phonics yeah yeah, yeah it, it, phonics describes a portion of, of of english but it doesn't describe all of english right got there's it. too many quote-unquote exceptions makes sense yeah, um, but so so let's talk a little bit more. And and by the way, if any of your learners are interested, if you Google the color vowel system, um, yeah. you will find lots of uh, additional information and videos. It's been around about twenty years. Yeah. Uh, most TESOL conferences that you go to, you can take uh, a certification class in it. We we and, offer certification classes for teachers. And what is what is TESOL? Uh, oh. Uh, Teachers of English as a second language. No, I Got didn't it. get the right additions, but it's, it. it's one of the best um, accreditation uh, organizations for teachers of English as a second language. Got it. Got it. And then the, and then the color vowel system uh, is also, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm going to show my age, but uh, you know, it's the Palmolive ad, you know, you're soaking in it, right? So like Blue Canoe is an example of yes. that, right? So, uh, so I'd love, could you explain uh, for our listeners yes. what, what this is? Yes, absolutely. So, um, I mean, the, the, this system starts out by understanding these difficulties in English that I talked about. Mm -hmm. And it says, okay, um, let's actually, instead of tr uh, trying to help listeners sound out words, uh, which would assume that the spelling would lead to good pronunciation. Right. Let's instead um, 
help learners understand uh, using other parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. So as I said, English is a stress-based language. So one of the first things that we have to know or a learner needs to know about every single word in English is which syllable carries the stress? Which syllable should I emphasize? Mm -hmm. um, is it desert or dessert, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a nice word because it really means something else, right? And I really like my dessert. Yes. Um, and so you have to decide which syllable carries it. And in the color vowel system, we make that visual. As you said, visual is a very important part of the brain. Yep. Um, and we underline, we mark it up and we underline the syllable that gets the stress. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we use the visual part of the brain for that. But the second thing we do is we actually make them make a movement with their hand. Mm. Um, if, uh, if you could see me, you would see that I open up my hand. And as I make this, as I say the syllable that has the stress, I push out my hand to the, uh, the far side of my arm on the vowel. Mm. So I say dessert. Mm -hmm. And that makes me stretch out the time I spend on the vowel of that mm -hmm. stress syllable. Because in English, it really is, it's not just intonation that changes, it's the time we spend on that vowel, mm -hmm. dessert. Yeah. Um, and by moving my hand, I'm using the kinesthetic part of my brain, which is a very large part of the brain that crosses both hemispheres. And so it's mm -hmm. great for learning and noticing. And I'm using, again, the visual part of my brain. Right. right? So those are two parts of the brain. That, that does bring new meaning to, uh, to the phrase talking with your hands, too. You it know? does. It yeah. absolutely does. Yeah. Um, the second, uh, so that's one aspect of the system. Another aspect of the system says the vowel sounds of a word, and particularly the vowel sound at that peak of stress, carries the most meaning in the word. Mm -hmm. Like subconsciously, as we're listening to somebody speak English, we're waiting and we're listening for that vowel sound. And if there are other errors that the person makes, we don't really pay attention to those, but we really are noticing that vowel sound. Interesting. And so the color vowel system says, well, if vowels are so important, let's name them and make them more accessible. Yep. We have 14 key vowel sounds in English. Mm. And in phonics, there's no ways to name them, right? right, right. So this letter O in, in English, it's one letter, but it has seven different key sounds. And we name each of these vowel sounds with an anchor phrase mm -hmm. that the first word is a color and the second word is an object. Yep. And each of those words has to have the main sound we're naming embedded in it. Yep. Okay. So the E sound in English, we mm -hmm. name it green tea. Nice. And you can imagine there's a little icon that is green. Yeah. And it's a teacup. Yep. And so... Uh, and it embeds, so green is a green tea word, and yeah. tea is a green tea word. So yeah. green tea e. Uh, the word teacher is a green tea word. Teacher, mm. green mm -hmm. tea teacher, mm. green tea tea. Yeah. Or another one um, is the er sound. We name that purple shirt, and mm -hmm. you can see a little icon of a purple shirt. Yeah. And so the er sound is at the heart of shirt and yeah. purple. Right. So each of our, each of the key sounds that you can learn in English have one of these icons that does multiple things at the same time. Mm -hmm. It is a visual clue to somebody of what sound it should be. Oh, that's that E sound, green tea. And it's right. really easily to remember. Yep. 
It uses the image visual cortex of the brain, which right. is a powerful part of the brain. Mm -hmm. It also, because there is a pattern forming, green T E teacher, you know, mm -hmm. that E gets repeated. When our brain hears patterns, the music part of the brain wakes up and starts paying attention. Yep. And then if we use our hands on the vowel sound, green T teacher, the movement part of our brain. So yeah. all of a sudden we have about five or six parts of the brain yeah. all going to work to help us really hear and produce that really important sound and be more comprehensible. And right, this cool. is in comparison to a standard classroom where if you had an MRI, you would only see that one little dot of Broca's area. Right. And it's powerful. Right, right, right. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, um, and as you mentioned, this is, uh, there are, there, this is a patented method. This is evidence-based research is where a lot of uh, the, the whole approach that Blue Canoe is taking uh, comes from. And, uh, and I imagine the results uh, kind of speak for themselves. So like this is out in the world, people are using it. Uh, yes. I, I, you know, you're, you're, the, the company seems to be doing well. Um, so, um, can you talk about where, where you're heading with this and, and how you're operating and if folks want to learn more, uh, you know, where, where they should go, what they should do? Absolutely. Well, so, um, again, I want to just give all of the credit first, uh, to, to Karen Taylor and her team, right? They over 20 years have built up and, and understood and built uh, and created the color valve system. Mm -hmm. And before we ever even met them, um, you know, they've been training tens of thousands of ESL teachers around the world and mm -hmm. through them, millions of students um, mm -hmm. who have been learning. Yep. When I met Karen Taylor and really started to understand, you know, the genius of this color valve system um, from my background, which is um, the technology side of ed tech. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, this is, a, this is a wonderful opportunity to take this great methodology and to add technology or to great methodology and add technology to it so that we could share it with more people. Mm -hmm. And so Blue Canoe took the patented and copyrighted uh, work that Karen Taylor had done, and we now have an exclusive license to digitize that, right? Got it. Yep. And then we added... Um, with my co-founder, Tony Andrews, on the technology side, mm -hmm. we added uh, machine learning and speech recognition and gamification and mobile app and engagement and design and all of this so that it is now this mobile app. Wow. Um, and along the way, by the way, we convinced Karen to come along this journey with us as head of our education team, which is a, right, was, right. was important. And so this app now... Um, can be is um, I think the latest look I had was it's used in more than 40 countries around the world with very, very different native languages. We are not selling um, B2C. We are selling B2B. Okay. And so uh, we have English language learning companies mm -hmm. who partner with us yep. and they integrate our app into their overall solution. Got so, it. you know, if you're in some country around the world, and you are trying to improve your English, you can now improve your English and have that teacher be trained in the Color Valve system mm -hmm. and get the Blue Canoe app 
So let's say you're going to class once a week or twice a week. And in between times, you are getting to practice 10 minutes a day using our app and getting feedback from our virtual AI teacher. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, we are, you know, spreading the gospel of the color vowel system to all of these teachers Mm -hmm. who then can share it with their students. And then we are supplementing them with being able to practice every single day, no matter where they are, 10 minutes a day to really get those muscles in the brains going. Because changing the wiring of your brain is something that's better done in 10 or 20 minutes a day every day than, you know, two hours once a week. Right. Um, And so we do that. We also sell directly to multinational companies who want to use it for their employees. Right. And so uh, we have many companies around the world uh, in Japan, in China, uh, in Europe, uh, in Latin America, who uh, their employees now have the benefit of using Blue Canoe to continue to improve um, their English and their productivity at work. So not only do the learners benefit, but the employers benefit as well. That's great. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's clearly, uh, like we were saying at the top, like it, it, this can be uh, really transformative for the individuals who are limited by their, the, by the challenges they faced acquiring uh, proficiency in English uh, through tools like this. It does open up access to opportunity uh, for folks who really do want to, uh, you know, excel, particularly on a global level, you know, so like if you do want to be part of a large global organization, uh, there's very few nowadays that don't have some component that is powered by English. Uh, So, you know, like if you're in a non-English speaking country, uh, you will see ads for uh, how to acquire, uh, you know, proficiency in English and how that uh, frequently is positioned as sort of the the gateway to um, another level of of earning and career prospects and and all the things that 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 many of us are seeking so uh, so it's a wonderful wonderful mission you have going there uh we are coming close to time for today would love to go more into uh uh the the rhymes you had rhymes you had music you had dance uh it's like a it's like a variety show uh while we're learning english which is wonderful uh but um i would we always like to ask our our, our guests uh, are there any trends out there uh, that you're tracking that you think uh, are worth understanding in the world? It doesn't have to be in language learning. It could also be more broadly just, uh, you know, in the next, say, five to 10 years. Uh, you know, you mentioned artificial intelligence. Um, you know, are there, are there aspects of this that you think uh, folks who want to be out ahead want to understand where the, where the puck is heading? Uh, that you'd want to have on folks' radar? Any, any, any thoughts? Lots of different thoughts. I mean, I certainly, um, from the technology side, the power of AI and machine learning um, to do things that we can do now that we couldn't have done even a few years ago is, mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yep. Um, and, and the power to, to do it in a device as small and convenient as a mobile app that sits in your pocket, right? That, you know, we know that there are some downsides of technology, but there are also lots of upsides. And certainly at Blue Canoe, we are very conscious of trying to do good in the world. And um, the things that we're doing just would not have been possible, uh, you know, a a short time ago. Um, But the power of not only um, 
machine learning to collect the data and then to to be smart about figuring things out. I mean, the, the specific way we use machine learning is, is to really understand the learner's mistakes and to be able to give them targeted feedback, right? Mm -hmm. If we go back to the theory of learning, mm -hmm. just telling somebody, oh, that was wrong, try again, is right. nowhere near as effective as saying, oh, that was wrong because you used a green tea vowel there and you should have used a, a silver pin vowel, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very different. Yeah. And it's the machine learning that allows us to do that, um, analyzing the mistake and finding the patterns and being able to give that personalized individual ex experience. So I see in so many different uh, companies, apps, opportunities, the ability to use um, machine learning and other forms of AI yeah. to, to improve our ability to, 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 to help people in so many ways. And yeah. certainly it's a trend uh, that is worth watching. Yeah. And, uh, and all this, I guess, is built on uh, natural language processing and uh, the, you know, automating uh, the machine's ability to, you know, to listen and understand language as it's produced by the learner, right? So if I'm understanding you right, you know, the app allows the learner to speak uh, into the app and then be responded to by the, the AI tutor. Is that the idea? It does. In, in our case, um, at least today, it's, it's not spontaneous speech. So it's not like a Siri or Alexa that's listening to your spontaneous speech and then trying from your context to guess what you said. That, that also is a very amazing thing, but it's quite different from what we're doing because in that context, Siri, for example, is, is guessing what yep. you said and doesn't care if you made pronunciation errors. Right. They're sort of filling in the gap and saying, oh, that phrase wouldn't have made sense unless you had said a certain word. And right. so they're guessing you said that word. Right, right. We actually are doing the opposite. In all of our activities, we already have, um, we know what we wanted you to say uh, in order for it to be well understood. Mm -hmm. And so then when you're doing our activities and you record yourself, we instantly compare what you said to what we needed it to be said down to the phoning level, the rhythm, mm -hmm. the stress, et cetera. And mm -hmm. so we've done a lot of patent pending changes to our speech recognition processor to be able to understand that. That's interesting. We then, if you will, come up with how many errors or potential differences there are from what the learner said to what we needed them to be said. Right. And that's when we use the machine learning and we are smart about knowing is that an important difference or an unimportant difference? Right. And if it's an important difference, how do we characterize that and tell them what that is? How do we say to them, oh, that's an error because you put the stress on the first syllable instead of the second syllable, or you didn't have any stress at all, mm -hmm. or you used the wrong peak vowel, mm -hmm. or you confused an R and an L, or Got you hit the, and so, so that's yeah. what we do. So it's much more targeted uh, to the, the specifics of the speech and it's more designed around providing examples that will specifically teach the, the right way to pr pronounce things and the right way to um, like the, because uh, that, that's a really interesting distinction too, like within the, the Alexas and the series uh, as a context, they're trying to sort of normalize what you're saying. And in the case of trying to learn the, the spoken English, you know, you, you need to instruct the learner in terms of the specifics of the sounds they're producing. That's really interesting. I hadn't, 
I learned something right there. That would thank you. For, like, <laughs> I learned something throughout this conversation, but I did learn uh, something right there. Uh, so, uh, Sarah Daniels, CEO of uh, Blue Canoe, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Mike. It was a, as always. It was a really fun conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And then for those of you out there who want to learn more about Blue Canoe, uh, you can find them online. It's bluecanoelearning.com was the, was the website. And, uh, you know, check out uh, Sarah Daniels and the color vowel syndrome. Hopefully you've been taking copious notes. Uh, there's plenty to learn out there. And uh, for our listeners, our regular listeners, we'll be back again soon on Trending in Education. Thanks again for listening. Cool.